action. Hey there, movie kings and queens. Welcome to episode 262 of The Real Game Movie Show. I'm your host, Mike Lovins, and with me as always, my co-host, Ryan Provost. Ryan, I don't have a quip this morning. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. How you doing? I'm doing I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are in December. I know. Uh, Wrapping up 2023. I know, and I'm I'm still looking at my uh, letterbox number thinking, okay, I got... I got I, yeah. 20 some days here to uh <laughs> yeah yeah i'm trying to knock out a lot of stuff these last few weeks too yeah. i'm uh oh, my number is so low it's so sad yeah i still haven't broken 60 oh that's yeah i'm almost at 70 okay i i, I will probably be at 70 by the end of uh certainly by the end of this week i knocked out two this weekend of 23 movies that uh i hadn't seen yet but um still trying to get there i know i had such high hopes going into this year that i would hit 100 but you know i made so many personal goals for 2023 that have just <laughs> were done by february it you, hasn't, you, yeah. you know I, I so it hasn't been uh my year in a lot of respects <laughs> But it's actually, I mean, there's been some, some, yeah, there's been some interesting, some good movies. And I feel like the movie we're about to talk to is a very interesting movie. Interesting to, to segue. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good word. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. So we're talking about Saltburn, uh, which is the, um, sophomore release by Emerald Fennel, uh, who you might recall, uh, got Oscar claim for Promising Young Woman. She got an actual Oscar for Promising Young Woman. Yeah, so, uh, which actually, I ended up last week re-watching Promising Young Woman also, because I, I kind of wanted to remember that mo- movie, in com- not necessarily even in comparison to this, because they're two very different movies, I feel like. Um, are they? <laughs> well, I mean, in in a way... Uh, I can definitely tell that they're from the same director. I mean, they both center on characters who, uh, because of circumstances and people around them, are filled with rage and are on on a path of destruction because of it. Well, let me read the, the synopsis for this one, and then we can get more into it. So... A student at Oxford University finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. Uh, So, two main leads are Barry Keoghan and uh, Jacob Elordi. Yes. Uh, Which, if those two aren't enough to make you want to see this on the big screen, I, I don't know. Cause there's plenty of shirtless action. Just shirtless. <laughs> We're starting there. We're just starting there. Yeah. No, uh, I will say, you know, a lot rides on the Jacob Elordi character because he is that character in this movie who we get descriptions of a lot, uh, 
in different books and movies and TV shows and everything that like charismatic, like everyone is drawn to that person kind of character. And if that doesn't work, I don't feel like this movie works and it works. Like yeah. you're re- really drawn into him and want to like be with him and near him. Not just because obviously he's a very attractive human, but also because he just has so much charm and charisma. Yeah. And yeah, it's just oozing all that and you want to be around that. Yeah. And he's not like the, the bully, you know, the, the, the guy with money who bullies people around, like he seems like he's a genuine nice guy. There's, you know, there's a part in the beginning where there's, there's kind of teasing and stuff of um, the people that they might consider to be under them, but his character uh, really seems to be kind of more of the sympathetic uh, in in that group uh, to kind of even take in Keoghan's character, Oliver. Well, he comes from a very, you know, upper class family, like lives in this huge estate with uh, butlers and all kinds yeah. of stuff. But he he's the kind of rich person that like doesn't scoff at being rich, but like... It's just whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And there's, you know, when they're at Saltburn, the estates, there's members of his family who are very uptight and yeah. enforce, you know, social norms and g- guidelines for being in that kind of world. Whereas he's more aloof and just, uh, it's whatever. Right. This room's blue because it's because, blue. Yeah. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Some somebody jerked off in this room. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of my granny's here. Yeah, yeah, Hi, yeah. Granny. Hi, you Granny. Know. He's just very kind of again. He uses charm, and and that's part of that charming, and uh, that personality that you want to be around is. Yeah, he's rich, which is nice, but he doesn't like scoff at other right. people. Yeah. 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 Uh, and in. Uh, so I know you you did end up seeing Priscilla. Like I thought he did a great job uh, in that movie as well. Um, I just gotta say I hate the Elvis voice, and not like <laughs> and not like his or Austin Butler's. Just the voice in general. Like I don't want to hear the Elvis voice again for a very long time. What if it's from Elvis? Uh, no, no, no. Like I don't. I don't give a shit about Elvis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I just don't. I don't give a shit about Elvis. We I st- let's, let's stop. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to return that Elvis Christmas CD I got you for Christmas. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I was glad. I, I was glad to actually see a movie where Jacob Elordi is using his British accent yeah. and is actually... yeah. Yeah, I I feel like we've always because yeah, between of euphoria, the Elvis voice and euphoria, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, he's often using an American accent or some other type of accent, and getting to hear him in his British accent just is even sexier. Oh, so yeah, very <laughs> so very sexy. Yes, yeah. Um, and I didn't recognize uh the, like the the parents' crazy friend, poor dear Pamela is what she's credited as that that was Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 for some reason, I just couldn't tell that was her. I think she's another one where, like, she is, is she naturally British? Because in, in Promising Young Woman, you know, she has an American accent, but, 
Uh, so between the British accent and the the wig and stuff, I couldn't tell that that was her. I'm not sure. I don't know Carrie Mulligan's uh, Fair. <laughs> heritage. Um. All right. So, so yeah, it's, but, it's, but Barry Keoghan also just don't want to breeze past him. He he is really the center of this movie. He really is. Yeah, and his character needs to do a lot to hold it. I I feel like he was good but like the twists and turns and we'll get into spoilers later but the twists and turns this movie takes especially with his character it's just so wild yeah and i i feel like he does a good job like he was almost my sleigh but it's also just all over the place that's fair that's that's fair um spoiler alert he was my my sleigh um but we'll 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 get more into that later, but I, yeah, his, he's one of those actors that like, I seem to always really like the roles that he's playing, but I can't, I I haven't been able to like grasp on to, he's just an incredible actor, but I don't know. He, he really came through for me on, in this one. Um, like he's always like between this and Banshees of Inishirin, like he he kind of plays that that like bumbling kind of guy, that cute bumbling kind of guy. But then it's a little bit more calculated in this one. Yeah, and there's just something about like whereas Jacob Elordi has that like everyone wants to be around him kind of charisma and charm there's something always a little off about Barry Keoghan and his, uh-huh. the characters he plays which I think is what made him a really great choice for this particular role um, but yeah I, I was not prepared for exactly what this movie would be and I mean let's just I'll say I feel like this movie is one that I have recommended to a lot of people. I have told people you got to see it just because you have to. Is it is it a great movie? No. <laughs> it's not a great movie. But is it a super fun trash movie? I think so. That's where I would characterize it. Like yeah. it's a very fun uh almost like a trashy novel. I like that. Yeah. Kind of movie. I, so I've been wrecking, uh, recommending it to people as well, but I've been going about it as, listen, this movie really worked for me, but it might not work for everybody. I'm recommending it, but go in with caution. Yeah. And okay. So the other thing about this movie that is getting a lot of people talking about it. And I mean, my partner said that it's been, blo- this movie's been blowing up on TikTok, which when we went, uh, our theater was filled with what I think was like high school kids. Okay. Like it was a lot of young people. And I think it's because there's some shock value scenes in this movie yeah. that have kind of taken over a lot of the narrative of it. And uh, we can get into the specifics of some of those, but just what, what do you, what are your thoughts on, scenes like that that really are just i don't i don't even know what their meaning is like it it was really pretty shocking there's ways to do okay we'll just say it right like there's a scene where barry keoghan uh jacob lordy 
has just masturbated in the bathtub. He gets out, he leaves. Barry comes in after having washed him through, like, a cracked door. And slurps up the, like, bath water and licks his cum off the tub, all kinds of stuff. Like, this is stuff I had heard happens even before we went to the movie. When I asked my boyfriend if he wanted to come with me, he specifically said, yeah, let's go watch Barry lick some cum off a bathtub. Like, that's... And it's done to show his obsession with the Jacob Elordi character. But what are your thoughts on a shock value kind of scene like that? Um... It's a, I don't know. It, it, I, I think it, it worked to show his obsession. <laughs> no kidding. But it's, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, I don't know. It's a bit much. Like it, it's kind of, it's, it's shocking, but it's also kind of cringy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's meant to be that. Right. Um, is, is it effective? I think it is because it got people wanting, he, talking about it and hearing about it and wanting to go see it. Yeah. So it 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 works as a uh word of mouth marketing tool. Yeah. Um but the character's odd. I mean Here's the thing though. I will say at the moment of that it made sense. At the end when we kind of get the the reveal of what's what's going on with him and stuff to reflect on that it doesn't quite make as much sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, that's the thing. I don't know exactly like what this movie is trying to do exactly. Like it has these shock value scenes like that and the period. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, scene and, and the graveyard, the graveyard, like it, <laughs> it really does just feel like a someone Emerald Fennell had these like ideas of things you can put on screen but not necessarily like an idea of like what this movie is trying to like be about necessarily. Yeah, it's like where where can I put these obscene It's like, uh, oh, uh, I have absurd. these really interesting visuals of like someone fucking a grave <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally um and i have these really like juicy delicious lines of dialogue for a wealthy british woman yeah and rosman Pike can come and and do all these lines and i have these really interesting visuals like when uh there's a scene where they're in a dining room and the curtains all get closed, but the sunlight's still coming through the curtains, but it's red curtains, so everyone's draped in red. Yeah. Like, there's really interesting things. And the fact that it's set in the in 2006, in the mid-2000s, I think was a really, like, I want to have this movie that feels like a period piece, but it takes place in 2006, so it has a little bit of a modern feel. Like, yeah. all these, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. ideas, but not really a theme necessarily <laughs> and all the ideas are fun like they're interesting this and 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 that's a good good point to bring up too is that i kind of felt like the movie it it felt it definitely felt segmented like 
and and I think that she likes that kind of thing. Like rewatching Promising Young Woman, like it literally has like Roman numerals coming up at different parts of the the movie, breaking the movie up into to different parts. And I kind of feel like, in a way, she kind of did that with this movie too, just not so so literal. But it it just it it felt like a a chapterized story. Like a trashy novel. Like a trashy novel, yeah. <laughs> I really do feel like that's the equivalent of this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I, don't know. I, I do like it, though. I did have fun. I have recommended people to go see it. I would recommend people listening to this to go see it. But just know that it's, it's, it's pure garbage. But the best kind. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. The kind you really... It's... it's that fast food you're really craving that you know you're going to regret later. I mean, I, th- I think women and gay men should go to it just for the last five minutes alone. <laughs> we keep al- al- <laughs> alluding to things that are very spoilery uh, that uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll yeah, dive into we'll, more. We'll get there. Um, Rosamund Pike and uh, uh, Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant is exactly my mom's age, and she is a few years younger than me. Did they work for you as his parents, as uh, Felix's parents? Yeah. Okay. They worked for me for me too. It's just the the age difference did seem a little odd to me. Like she didn't seem old enough really to be their their uh, their parents. And then I started to think about it. I'm like. Just a few years younger than me, I'm old enough to be their parents, so I guess so. <laughs> well, have I got some news to you? Wait till you watch uh, May December on Netflix because oh, yeah. if you want to talk yeah, about yeah, age yeah. difference, <laughs> I also just watched that this yeah week, this I, past I, weekend. I gotta and, watch that. Uh, great movie, by the way. Highly recommend. Might be talking about it at the end of the year, but. Um, yeah, the age difference in this, after having just watched May December uh, yesterday for me, uh, does not register. Does, does not. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta Fair. be honest. Fair. Um, back to Oliver real quick. I wanted to ask, did you find him to be at all like kind of a sexy creepy or was he just creepy creepy? Uh, depended on the scene. I guess so, you yeah. Know? Um, I will say something that we find out in this movie is that, uh, and my gayest take I'll go ahead and say is good for Barry. Like he's very blessed. (laughs) 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 Um, we do get to see Barry's Kyogen, uh, and it's very nice. So, uh, which they even compliment him in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if that was like part of it or or just like unscripted and just like oh or like once they realized they were like oh well this should be something that is part of it you know because he does have a uh yeah he has a nice a nice penis a a nice appendage yeah uh which good for him but yeah i mean it works I don't know. I, here's the thing, though. When I realize how uh, how nice it is, I'm like, where's your big dick energy, my guy? Like, I need <laughs> you to, like, I feel like you're you're too blessed to be this weird. Are you sure they didn't boogie nights it? 
I would think that not. I would think not. I think it's real. I, I think, I think that's. Right I think that was the real deal. Yeah. Because we get, it's not like a flash of it. Right. We get a lot of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Goodness gracious. But yeah, you asked about whether his his creepiness was more prevalent or his charisma. I think it was a, a, a bit of both, and that's maybe some of the hesitancy I have with his character is that both get heightened to the 10th degree Mm -hmm. at various points of the movie and fluctuate so wildly that it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly like who this character is or what he is and we find out later that he does have some ulterior motives but I don't know. It's still to your point with like the bathtub scene. I don't feel like it necessarily comports. Like it doesn't all line up in a way that fully makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Should we, should we go ahead and start talking some spoilers? I guess we might as well. (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, getting into his ulterior motives, like, I, I'm i not sure that it felt like that was completely the, d- the direction that, that it was going in. Like, um, I'm tr- I kept trying to, like, upon after seeing it and reflecting, was it obvious? I mean, I know they gave us flashbacks to show that he had planned all this, but it didn't really feel like it was planned out to me as, as much. Like, to get the end result of him being the sole possessor of saltburn yeah the so the yeah the twist in the movie is barry kogan manufactures you know the, the chance meet up with jacob lordy's character uh and basically like orchestrates getting invited to saltburn while making that friendship yeah. happen and then getting invited to saltburn and then uh there's basically everyone in Jacob Lurie's family dies, <laughs> yeah. uh, leaving. And it's a long plan because at the end of the movie, it's 15 years yeah. or so later that Barry Keoghan reconnects with Rosamund Pike's character and gets invited back to Salford. So if that was his plan, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like <laughs> it truly doesn't. I don't, I don't know if that was his plan. I feel like his plan must have been like, I'm just going to ruin this guy's life. Like it has to be, this guy is the epitome of what's wrong. I think he probably resents that kind of aloofness that Jacob Elordi's character has about being rich. Feels like he should appreciate it more. Good point. And, uh, and wants what he has and just wants to take him down a peg and it just keeps escalating. So I don't know. I just, I don't know how this plan makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I'm in, in the real world on paper, I'm kind of curious how like it couldn't have been <sighs> fully orchestrated. It, it must've been like a, okay, I'm going to like get close to this guy so I can figure out how to like, yeah. Fuck up his life. And then and see, and that's where it goes back to the the kind of the segmented kind of kind of thing. It's almost like, yeah, you're right. Step one, 
there was only a step one. Yeah. Get into this guy's life and see where it goes. What can I do from there? Okay, step two now is, okay, I'm ingrained into the family. Here's what I can do to really fuck them up this way. Yeah. And we've had so many movies in recent years that have focused on this theme of the kind of like take down the rich theme. You know, we've yeah. had Triangle of Sadness, we had Parasite. This has been a, a theme that has been pretty prevalent in movies in recent years. In some ways, I feel like the message of this movie is like, rich people don't trust the poor. Like, <laughs> it is kind of that, kind of that. Yeah. I almost feel like it's the opposite. Like, it's the, hey, poor people are out to get us. Don't let them into your life. It's like, she, it's like Emerald gets a, gets an Oscar and gets more money. And now she's like, uh, I got well, She pretend. comes from money. Oh, does she? Yeah. Okay. She comes from money. So maybe, maybe that influences yeah, yeah. a little Could bit. Could be. Of, but, yeah, because it's, you know, Jacob Elordi's character is kind to this person who he thinks is, you know, uh, coming from a, a, a place. Of, uh, Barry Keoghan's character says he, his dad just died, his mom is an addict that he doesn't, isn't close to, that he's bit fakes being poor, like pretends he can't buy the yeah. drinks at the pub uh, for the... For the group of people, so makes up stories about his dad being dead, yeah. and so like the this the moral of the story appears to be like rich people keep that distance away from the poor because yeah. they'll get you if you let them too close, which. I don't know, like, but she also seems to kind of have contempt for the rich people too, like, yeah. I don't know, like, this movie doesn't look kindly at anyone. Like, there's no good characters, really, in this movie. Like, maybe Jacob Elordi, but also his aloofness can be seen as a negative. Yeah, like, yeah. Very put-offish. Yeah, like, oh, he doesn't have to care about anything because he's rich. And he can be this just goofball, this charming goofball. What a what a, a treat for him. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of the cousin character? The American? Like, awful. Like, they're all awful. (laughs) Like, who who do you think... Okay, who do you think Emerald Fennell relates to in this movie? Like, do you think she relates to... Or do you you think she has contempt for everyone? Do you think there's a hero of the movie? No, not at all. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean... Because in Promising Young Woman, I think it's pretty clear that... Carrie Mulligan yeah. is someone that Emerald Fennell cares deeply about. Right. I don't know if she cares deeply about anyone in this movie. <laughs> no, and in, in fact, I mean, just because he ends up being the sole survivor of all of it, Oliver, it like, y- you have to think he's the one that she... But, but he <laughs> ends up not... Yeah, he. I mean, he literally is dancing through the mansion naked at the end of the movie in victory. But is he's not a good character. Like he's, he's a right. sociopath. He's, <laughs> he, he's a murderer. He's, a, he's yeah. Like he's, I, I joked with, uh, with my boyfriend after the movie, I was like, what if this all was just a prequel? For, like this was his, uh, 
the setup for his becoming the Joker. I, I thought that too. That's so funny. Because it certainly seems like it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the, the Matt Reeves Batman yeah, verse. Yep. Yep. And, and, and it took me a little while because I had for, at, at first forgotten that he was going to be the Joker. And I was like, oh, this is. Uh, yeah. It's leading up to that. Um, I mean, I will say this performance did give me more confidence in his ability to play the Joker. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> more so than that deleted scene from the Batman did, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, okay, we got to talk about that, the, the, the end scene. The, so at the end of the movie, Barry Gogan has inherited Saltburn after Rosamund Pike dies, and he just dances naked around the mansion. Again, we get to see everything. It's wonderful. In victory to the song Murder on a Dance Floor, which is a an, an undeniable bop. Like, such a great song. I love that song. And uh, my boyfriend has been playing it nonstop ever since the movie, <laughs> which has me a little concerned. <laughs> As I hope you would understand. This may be the last episode of The Real Game Movie Show. So if I am dead by the time you listen to this episode, just know my boyfriend is dancing naked around our apartment. <laughs> Question, do you take baths? Oh, he does, actually. <laughs> Maybe I need to salt burn his ass (laughs) (laughs) before he gets me. Roll reversal there. Ugh, yeah. Um, Speaking of baths, another bathtub scene. Did the sister actually kill herself or did he slit her wrists and leave the... That's another thing that doesn't make any sense. Neither one of those really makes that much sense. Like, Like if he had done it, there'd be signs of struggle. There's no way that she... Right. But... Why would she have felt that? But they did. Uh, Emerald Fennell does go out of her way to show this girl losing her mind. I yeah. Mean, the, the weird scene where she pours the entire bottle of wine into her glass <laughs> and it's spilling over. Yeah. Her. Again, just weird. Like, this family literally goes insane after the Jacob Elordi character dies. Felix. Felix. Um, and they kind of spiral so i think we're meant to believe that she does it herself but also like i don't know i feel like emerald Fennell, both in promising young woman and this like i don't think she understands like uh what could drive people to want to end their own life <laughs> i gotta be honest like i, th- I feel like n- in neither movie does do some of these decisions make sense yeah that lead to death like yeah these life or death decisions d- i don't understand them on a human level and it's really that i just don't get with her i feel like she needs to have someone like take a pass at these scripts and be like, I don't, why is yeah. this person well, doing and, this? And I was thinking about that rewatching Promising Young Woman, just thinking, you know, Carrie Mulligan's character ends up dying at the end and it's like she predicted that that was going to happen, but it's almost like she wanted it to. Right. But yet struggled pretty hard yeah. when he was... It just doesn't make <sighs> sense. Like, I, her movies are a little too... 
again, like a trashy novel, like a little yeah, too yeah. loose. Like there's things that need to be tightened up. It, but it, they're still fun. But they're they're so fun. <laughs> they're so fun <laughs> and stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like, and I just feel like that's the director she's going to be. And yeah. if, if that's the director she's going to be. I'm going to watch every movie and I'm probably going to have a good time. Right. And all of them. Just knowing that going forward. And they're not going to be good. They're going to be garbage. I feel like she has a masterpiece in her though, that if she can bring it all together, tighten things up and really get some of these things right. She has a really good movie in her, a great movie in her because these are, she, she knows how to make something that people want to see. Yeah. But she has so many good ideas and they just need to be executed in a tighter way for for her to get to that next level i feel like i mean i i'll say for this to only be like your her second movie like she and and winning an oscar for her first she's on the right path for her okay but can i say something okay so promise young woman was one of the 2020 movies and we, when we talk about the Oscars in 2020, <laughs> I almost feel like they need an asterisk. You know, that's <laughs> like, that's yes, not an unfair criticism. They, they happened, but I don't think that movie would have won an Oscar for, for screenplay. Yeah. If not for the fact that movies were decimated in 2020. That's a complete fair. I got, that's my hot yeah. take. No, is I... that, and not to, I mean, Nomadland is great, you know. I I I love a lot of things that happened in the Oscars that year, but also, come on, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like the Oscars in twenty twenty need a little bit of an asterisk. You're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, anything else here? Should we get to takes? Oh, we can get into takes. If it feels like this was kind of a jumble, jumble mess of a discussion. You understand if you see the movie. <laughs> it's because that's what the movie begs of you. Like, it really is just that kind of movie. Yeah. So, uh, I, yes, that is just how this is. So, yeah. So, takes. I already said my gayest take, which is good for Barry for being yeah. just a well-endowed, beautiful human being. <laughs> Which I don't think he's that attractive though in the face if I'm being perfectly honest. He has attractive features. But he's uh, got a great body. Well, he's a boxer in in real life too. So maybe that explains why you don't think his face looks well. <laughs> I was going to say that explains how great the body is and how messed up the face is. Uh, no, he's not a messed him, up face. But... I find him attractive. Uh, you know, I he has a very distinguishing look. I bet he does have the big dick energy in real life. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. His eyes are a little too squinty for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, you know, He's got very pretty eyes. I'm a nitpicker. His eyes are actually probably my favorite part of his face. Oh, of his face. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Okay. We need to stop uh, uh, yeah, yeah. objectifying men's bodies okay. on this show. Sure. <laughs> The real boring movie show then. Hey. Um, all right. So my gayest take is that even though I don't think that Richard E. Grant's character is gay in this movie, I do feel like he gives off a I want to be pegged energy. Every British man does, I feel like. <laughs> That's just part of it. Yeah. 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 But I I don't know. It was very... Uh, 
We didn't prom. talk much about him, but he is great. He's he's very good in this He movie. is always, I feel like, a shining light in whatever he's in. Always great. Always amazing. Yeah. I love Richard E. Grant. Me too. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I just watched uh, Operation Fortune. The... Uh, Oh yeah, you do like his. Uh, I I I have to at least watch it, you know. Um, and it was finally on streaming, you know. And and uh, what's it on? Um, I think it's on Paramount Plus. Okay, I think. Um, but uh, Hugh Grant is in that, and as charming and handsome as Hugh Grant still is, I'm like, I think I I prefer Richard E. Grant. Okay. I, I, I always forget they're related. Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah. Uh, all right. So anyway, uh, shadiest take. My shadiest take. Okay, I'm a millennial. The time this is set in 2006 is very important to me. This is when I was in college. You know, very important. Time. Your formative years. Formative years. Uh, core memories. So I take issue with some of the inaccuracies of the uh, of the portrayal again it comes with the messiness of this movie so a couple i noticed one so this takes place in 2006 which my boyfriend did point out to me after the movie as i was pointing out these nitpicks (laughs) that well if it started in 2006 like the beginning of the school year the summer that they're in is actually 2007 that's a good point but still so summer 2007 is when this takes place. At one point, they're watching Superbad at in Saltburn. Superbad I'm... came out in August of 2007 <laughs> in theaters. So how did they watch it in the house? My boyfriend pointed out, well, they're rich people. They can get access. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> at another point, they're singing karaoke. And the uncle is singing the song Low by T-Pain. Uh-huh. Again, a jam that I have uh, danced to many a time in uh, my college days. But Low came out in October of 2007. And again, this movie takes place in the summer. Being generous yeah. in summer 2007. So how did they not just know the song exists, but have a karaoke version of it that <laughs> this uncle is yeah, so that really offends me that they would get some I of get these that. timeline things so wrong. That that's not you know the uh, formative years for for me other than those are the years my kids were being born. But you know, um, but that doesn't translate to remembering songs and having you know. So, but if this were if this were taking place in the nineties, like in my high school years or or whatever. I would totally get that same... Yeah, you would be like, they didn't have talkies yet when this was happening. How were they... How is that that color television? No. (laughs) It'd be more like, how are they doing karaoke of OPP? That wasn't out yet then. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so so those are little nitpicks I had. I was like, you chose to set the movie at this, in this time. And it's not like it's super distant history. Like... there was a lot of stuff that was out around that time. You could have, yeah, I feel like she was just like, she Googled popular movies in 2007, popular songs in 2007, and picked some that she liked and threw it in there. And that's not okay. <laughs> Lessons learned, 
directors. Anyway, that's my shadiest take. What's yours? I dig it. Um, mine is, is that I went, this is more a shade on myself, but I'm throwing it at, at the movie, uh, is that I went into this movie with just the assumption that there was going to be a sex scene between Barry and Jacob, and there wasn't. So your shade is shame on you for thinking there was, or shame, shame on, on them for not doing it? More that. <laughs> I felt like we all deserved that. Uh, we do get a get gay sex scene with uh, with Barry and uh, and the the, the cousin, uh, but it's in the dark and it's silhouetted and, and it's, it's just like and it's very yeah. Um, so I was expecting some kind of steamy scene, and really, when it boils down to it, at the end of the day, I feel like uh, the Felix character he's straight. Like, very straight, but kind of flirty just because that's just his personality. Yeah. Um, does, does Is that how you feel? Do you agree with that? Uh, that All character? of it or just No, that just part? That, that part. That part. <laughs> that he's... That he's straight? Yeah. I mean, all signs point to yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, who slayed? Uh, yeah, you already said yours, which yeah. is very... Yeah, yeah. I went with Rosamund Pike. Just she, that's not a wrong answer. I know it's not wrong. <laughs> she is the best part of this movie. Like everything she says is just so funny. Yeah. The scene where uh, Carrie Mulligan's character saying, oh, I might move out to this shitty apartment. And <laughs> Rosamund Pike's basically like, oh, my God, I would love to live in a shitty apartment. So much less to clean. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I yes, loved that should, scene. Yeah. Like. It's just, everything she does in this movie is just perfect. And then all this shit that she says about Carrie Mulligan's character after she's gone. Yeah, like it's just so great. Like her her scenes with Barry are so funny and so good. Uh, yeah, I mean she's just phenomenal in this. Yeah, I love Rosamund Pike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she can do no wrong. Her and Richard E. Grant are both just amazing anytime they pop up in something there i was good. getting ready to say american treasures but that's not correct yeah and, and, and in <laughs> fact i uh you know i don't watch is it wheel of time one of those fantasy shows that a lot of people are into right now but uh i think it's wheel of time something like that anyway uh i was at a friend's house and a group of people were watching an episode of it and she's in it mm. and i Watched this episode, had no idea of any of the context, but she was just so great. Like, I loved watching her, and she has just a supporting role in that, and she's amazing. So, even just watching this one episode of a fantasy show that I am not privy to anything that happens in it, I was just blown away by her even in that. So, yeah, she's just so great. I feel like she should be doing even more stuff. Uh, Well, I wouldn't disagree with like i would see whatever else she's yeah. in but yeah everything she says in this movie her character in this movie is just uh, amazing yeah <laughs> truly great so i'm actually really curious as to who you picked for no ma'am i went with archie mattaquay who plays uh the cousin okay the american cousin uh you know i feel like for how much this movie is just uh, fun garbage, 
the actors, for the most part, really elevate what they're doing. Like I just said, Rosamund Pike really elevates yeah. that character. Barry and Jacob really elevate theirs. Richie Grant is... But that character is the one that just feels like soap opera. Like... <laughs> yeah. And- like a teenage... One of those teenage, like... uh shows where like there's a bully character who's just hamming it up like he really feels like he's doing that in this yeah he he feels like a uh what, what's that riverdale uh that, yeah that sure I, I could see him on on a show like that or yeah. something um and I, he was almost my my no man, and I, I actually kind of wish I'd, I'd i'd stuck with it um i ended up going with um you and mitchell who played michael gavi he was Oliver's like friend at the beginning that he kind of blows off. Oh yeah. Um and I he just bugged me. I and and I know that's probably what the character's supposed to be like, but I was like, but it were, there was also why does he seem familiar to me and why is he so annoying to me? And then I, I looked him up. He's in House of Dragons. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you like Talked to him on one of the apps or something a long time ago. That too. <laughs> uh, um, and, no, so he's on House of Dragons. He plays um, House of the Dragon. House of uh, House of the yeah, the Game of Thrones show. The Game of Thrones show. <laughs> the Game of the Thrones show. Um, Throne games. Throne games. <laughs> Prequel to Squid Games. Um, and he he kind of annoys me on that show too. Who's he on that? He's the the son that's got the eye patch. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and I know in that he's supposed to be an asshole too, but uh, so maybe he's doing he's doing everything right, but it just bugs me. I mean, it is a long time staple of this show that you, you give your no man to characters who are just not nice. <laughs> They're just not nice. Damn it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would be surprised if we have different drag performer characters. I would I wouldn't. I think there's a couple strong choices. In okay. This. Well I went with poor dear Pamela. Okay, well you did go with the same thing. <laughs> I mean I because I feel like there's an argument to be made that Rosamund Pike's uh character could be played by a drag queen. Sure, I mean, but lots I... of quips and very witty. Uh but yeah. Yeah. Poor dear poor dear <laughs> Pamela. I mean, I feel like she was already doing drag. The way they made Carrie Mulligan up in the movie, yes. like she, she kind 100%. of basically was in drag. Yeah, <laughs> and that is the instinct I got while watching it. Uh, I watched it before I knew we were even going to talk about it, and while watching it, it was like, "There's my drag performer." Yeah, <laughs> I I wish we would have gotten more of uh, of her in this. I feel like we were robbed of it. It it was kind of funny how I, I I do feel like there were some characters where it was just like, okay, they're done with the the story, so they're just gone. Yeah. Um, and if, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Ryan, would you rate it? Um, you know, as, as much as I keep calling this movie trash, I also keep saying I had a really good time and I keep recommending people to go see it, uh, for a lot of the shock value, for a lot of the sexiness, uh, for all the Rosamund Pike of it all. Yeah. Uh, and because of those things, it really does elevate it to where I can't, in good conscience, give this movie anything less than three reels. So it's three reels for me. Um, and as as much as 
kind of nitpicked at, at a few things and, and pointed out flaws and stuff. I had a good enough time with this that I gave it three and a half. Well, well of course. <laughs> you are a generous grader. Well, it's a three-reel movie, but I gave the extra half for the uh, the extended penis. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that is that does warrant uh, some, some, some cred. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so, there you have it. I feel like this was the wild, weirdest episode we've recorded in a while, which again is very reflective I don't know of the it, movie we're talking about. I don't know if it's a combination of we're we're both tired. I don't know, maybe hungover, uh, and just the crazy nature of this movie. It's, all it's a it. combination all of, of all that. So but yeah, fun time. Thank you for going on this weird journey with me, Mike. <laughs> I'm so glad we picked this movie. I I am. I too. also hate that we picked. This movie. I am too. <laughs> I do too. Um, all right. Well, if you haven't already, become a real friend and follow us on Twitter at Real Gay and at Real Gay Movie Show on Instagram and Facebook. Got something to say? Slide into our DMs. Also, wherever you listen, please subscribe and never miss an episode. So that's it for this week. Have a real gay day. Gay.